Are you ready to take your financial advisory firm to the next level? Get a realistic approach to making your business successful, innovative, and client-centered with insights from a creative marketer and results-oriented business consultant. Welcome to the Insights for Financial Advisors podcast with your host, Crystal Lee Butler. Welcome to Insights for Financial Advisors. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Butler, owner of Crystal Marketing Solutions. And with me is this season's co-host, Dr. Jack Singer professional psychologist, speaker, and the author of The Financial Advisor's Ultimate Stress Mastery Guide. Let's welcome Dr. Jack Singer. Welcome back, Dr. Jack. Thank you for joining me again today. Today, we're going to talk about the insights on developing the champion's mindset. Well, you know, this is sort of wraps everything up into a tidy little bundle because there's a lot of overlap in what we talked about before with today because it really starts with the mindset. If you don't have the right mindset, then nothing else will go well for you. That's the key here. My background is I spent 34 years as a professional sports psychologist. So I've worked with Olympic gold medal winners and world champion athletes. And I know that the mindset is almost always the difference between a champion and someone who's good, but not a champion. So for financial advisors, we can teach them the exact same steps to release the potential that lies within each of them is to develop that mindset of a champion. So it begins with the kinds of self-talk that people have, and I call it the internal critic, because for most of us, it's very negative self-talk, very critical self-talk. And I'd like to explain where this starts. It begins when we're little children and um, our parents are telling us things that they believe are for our best benefit, but those little things that they tell us sort of plant weeds in the garden of our subconscious mind and the weeds begin to take over the flowers. So let me give you an example. A parent says to a child, um, I know you'd love to play on the football team, but I've seen many of the other athletes and um, I don't want you to be embarrassed by trying out. Okay. A parent says to a youngster, um, uh, there's a talent show that you said you want to try out for, but you know, you know, so-and-so is very talented. They're going to be in the show and you're going to look silly. So maybe you don't want to do that. So these are discouraging comments from parents who think they're doing their children a favor. And all they're doing is filling their mindset with negative kinds of expectations and, and so forth and so on. So Somebody did a big study of all of this for years and found out that the average youngster in this country between the ages of 6 and 18 is given approximately 150,000 negative comments from parents and teachers and other important people versus 5,000 positives like, go for it, you can do anything you want to do, you're wonderful. So with the ratio of 150 to 5, you can see why so many of us grow up with this sort of negative mindset, toxic thinking lack of confidence, um, insecurity, things of that nature. But all of that is changeable because we are in charge of what we say to ourselves. So I call this little voice in our head our internal critic because it's critical most of the time. Mm -hmm. But we can stop it and change it. And one of the things I'll be talking about a little later is how to stop those negative thoughts dead in their tracks. So... Let me just give you some information on what we call linguistic toxicity, which means this negative, self-defeating, toxic talk. If a, an advisor is thinking about a client, a manager, or a colleague that's treating him or her unfairly or blaming him for something that isn't his fault, that kind of thinking leads to anger and frustration. If an advisor is thinking about failing to achieve a personal or professional goal, 
That kind of thinking leads to hopelessness, depression, and low self-esteem. If an advisor is thinking about or filling their mind with what if this and what if that, that those are the two worst words put together in the English language as far as I'm concerned. Those what ifs, um, if an advisor is thinking like that, then that leads to anxiety, worry, and for some people even panic. If an advisor uh, believes that they're stuck with the problems and habits they have that you can't change or it takes too much effort, then that leads to feelings of helplessness or hopelessness. If an advisor uh, compares themselves to their colleagues, their siblings, or to other friends and concludes that they're not as good as they are, then that leads to inferior, inferiority feelings, inadequacy, low self-esteem, and this major fear called the imposter fear. The imposter mm -hmm. fear is in your heart of hearts, you don't think you're as good as everyone else thinks you are, and it's only a matter of time before they determine it. So that's a very common fear that a lot of people have. So self-defeating toxic thoughts are thoughts that start with what if, or I hope I can do this, or I don't think I can do this, and so forth the and so on. And that, the shoulds are a big thing too. Should I should statement. be doing this. Um, right, right. That's a we call that the, 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 somebody wrote a book on that in the 1940s called The Tyranny of the Should. Oh, and that is beating yourself up with shoulds, musts, have tos, things of that nature, as if there's this standard list of rules of what people should be doing other than the laws of the land and your own religious convictions. So I should do this or I shouldn't do that. Beating yourself up for making mistakes. That's a, a, a big problem that a lot of people have. Some of the other kinds of toxic self-talks besides the should statements are something we call fortune telling or catastrophizing. So that means you take a little piece of information and blow it way out of proportion in your mind as if that's going to happen. So uh, the advisor, um, the advisor has, um, I mentioned this in the last episode, a client that says I'm taking my business elsewhere in their mind. They say to themselves, Oh my God, um, what if all the clients have the same feeling because I'm doing something really wrong and I could be out of business by next week. That would be catastrophizing. Um, mind reading. We frequently look at people's visual expressions and decide what they must be thinking. So uh, an advisor comes to work and the manager has a, an angry expression on his face and the advisor decides, I must have done something wrong and he's going to really give it to me. Whereas, you know, the advisor, the manager could have a problem that he brought to work with him. It has nothing to do with the advisor. But we typically read other people's minds and decide that they're thinking something negatively about us. All or nothing thinking. Many financial advisors, and there's a section of my book on this, are type A personalities. So, mm -hmm. And type A personalities tend to be successful people because they exhibit so much energy toward their work, but they pay a price for it. And the price they pay is um, the stress that goes with that. And they tend to be rigid, all-or-nothing thinkers, which means I'm either successful or a failure. They don't see anything in between. And that's a mistake because there's all kinds of things in between. So um, the, the world is really gray, not black and white. Right. Another one is overgeneralization. You take one piece of negative information and you generalize that to deciding that this is probably happening everywhere in my life. Okay. So you make a mistake with somebody and you decide that, you know, everybody must know that I'm this way and they're all going to start 
disliking me. That would be an example of overgeneralization. And self-criticism and beating yourself up is the one that I mention all the time that people do. This is my fault. I shouldn't have done it. It's much healthier to recognize when you do something wrong, to apologize if that's warranted and say, but that was an aberration. It's not going to happen again. I learned from it and I'm moving on. So that's what we call linguistic toxicity. And, you know, it's like the, the, as children, they hear these negative things from their parents. And then not only do they, does that plant weeds in their subconscious mind, which is supposed to be filled with beautiful flowers, but now they water and fertilize the weeds by repeating the statements to themselves. I better not try this because I'll probably fail. So now they're watering and fertilizing the weeds that their parents have already you know, planted in their subconscious minds. So that's really what that's all about. I, um, I like how you um, mentioned like how it starts at children. For those that don't know, I um, coach volleyball, um, girls that are 13 and 14. And um, in going with the positive and negative, um, of course, I've said in the past episodes that I'm negative to myself, but to other people, I try to be very optimistic and encouraging and positive and looking on the bright side. And one thing I do after every single match is everybody goes around and says something positive about the team or themselves, something that they need to work on, not necessarily negative, but something they need to work on, and then always end with another positive, trying to reinforce the more positive nature, but still recognizing what they need to work on to improve. Um, and that's something I feel like I came up with that, and I'm sure I've learned it from somewhere, but I, maybe I should start doing that, and maybe we should all start doing that after a day of work. You know, what went well today? What do I need? What should I improve? Or what did I not finish that I need to finish tomorrow? And end with another positive. You know, what was one great accomplishment? Crystal, you're very smart. You're very insightful. You came up with something here that actually has a lot of research behind it. The first thing you talked about is what you're doing in coaching. And in coaching, we call it the Oreo cookie effect, um, that if we have some criticism to give somebody, we hide that in the middle of the cookie, and we have the beginning and the end be something very positive and delicious. So you're, you said you, you work with volleyball players, right? Yes. And by the way, you don't even, I bet you don't know where volleyball was invented. No. <laughs> it, it was invented in my hometown the same place that basketball was invented, Springfield, Massachusetts. So okay. we have the Volleyball Hall of Fame there and the Basketball Hall of Fame there. Okay. So volleyball was a big deal when I was growing up because that was, it was invented there. So um, if, you're, if you're talking to a volleyball player and you're saying, I really like the way uh, you got yourself in position to spike the ball, but next time maybe you need to jump a little faster. But you know what? You really moved your feet and it was really great. So now you gave a positive on the beginning, a positive on the end, and in the middle was something they could do to improve. Now, the other thing that you said that is very insightful and very smart is maybe at the end of the day, instead of focusing on what we didn't do well, we should focus on what we did do well. And the research on this talks about a, a gratitude journal that you keep next to your bed, uh, a notebook where every night you write down two or three things that you're grateful for that happened during the day because so many of us go to sleep upset about what we're unhappy about, that what we didn't do or what we should have done or what we could have done or we upset this person or something like that. But if you write in a gratitude journal, two or three things that you're grateful for, okay? My dog didn't scratch all day. So I'm really grateful that, that the sweater I put on my dog is preventing him from, from 
really making his skin irritated. That's something to be grateful for. I'm grateful that my husband or my wife did this or that. These are things we typically don't think about that much. We're just mainly beating ourselves up for what we're not grateful for. And so we need to reverse the process. So you just gave two outstanding examples that have a ton of research based on them. And it's amazing that you came up with these on your own. That's great. Well, and I'm sure I probably learned it somewhere along the lines through some book or whatnot, but um, I, I took it and took it to my coaching, of course. So, but yes, thank you. Okay. You're welcome. So yes. And, and we do this all the time in coaching using the Oreo cookie effect to make sure you, you know, when you get into the professional ranks, I, I just got a case yesterday where someone called me and said, um, uh, her daughter, their daughter is a, a diver and the daughter's having a bit of trouble diving. And the person said, the coach keeps yelling at her, you know, just get over it. Now that, that is about the worst way you can deal with a, a young athlete is telling them to just get over it instead of understanding their fears and trying to find something they're doing that's great. She more or less says, you know, if you can't get over it, then get off the diving board. So it's, it, some coaches have no knowledge of how really to treat athletes. They wind up treating them the way they were treated, and they think that that was the right way because they don't know any other way, or they treat their children that way, so they think that's the right way. And when we think about either athletics or the world of financial specialties, there's a formula that we can use that applies to everybody. And that formula, Crystal, is your performance at any time always equals your talent plus your experience minus distractions. Your talent plus your experience minus distractions. So that means the big minus there we want to keep as minimal as we can. And the number one distraction is negative self-talk coming from your internal critic. If we can keep that close to zero, then someone's ability will always show in their performance. But the more the distractions, the more the internal breakup of those thoughts, the less their talent will show. That's why you can watch the Olympics and you can see someone who has perfected whatever their sport may be, but when the chips are on the line and, and the time is to run in the Olympics to see who's going to win the medal, the ones with the internal distractions are the ones who don't perform as well as they've performed last week, for example, because they're too worried about what's going to happen, what's the outcome going to be, instead of focusing on, I deserve to be here. I'm a champion. I, I trust my body. I know what to do. Just let it happen. Those are the champions, the ones who say, I better be careful of this. What about this other opponent? Those are the people with the internal distractions. And it's the same thing with financial professionals. If you're focused on what someone else is doing, how much business someone else is doing, and you're not doing the same amount of business, you will never free your mind to do the things it needs to do in order to get that business. And the financial advisor who's extremely successful doesn't think about those things. All they're thinking about is, I've done this before. I don't have to you know, invent the wheel again. I know how to do it. I will get more clients. I will continue to be successful and has positive self-talk. So we talked about linguistic toxicity. The opposite of it is linguistic nutrition. Um, and let's talk about the emotions that actually using nutritious self-talk will give you. If you think about a client, a manager, or a colleague who's treating you unfairly or blaming you for something that's not your fault, 
But then you realize that you can respond using assertiveness skills. That's a healthy way to think. Like I'm not stuck here taking this criticism because it's not fair. I will assert myself with this person. So that leads to high self-esteem and feelings of empowerment. If you think about failing to achieve a personal or professional goal, but you learn from that so that you can do something differently the next time, that gives you feelings of hopefulness instead of helplessness and gives you a, a notion of positive expectations. If you are filling your mind with what ifs, but then you realize you're doing that and you use a stopping method, which I will teach all of your listeners in a few minutes, now you feel in control of your emotions and you're developing a form of mental toughness. If you're comparing yourself to your colleagues, your siblings, your friends, and then you recognize that you have your own special skills and that you can only control what you do, not what everyone else does, then that leads to higher self-confidence and self-esteem. And finally, if you're believing that you can modify your problems and habits and you can truly master all of the stresses in your life, that leads to hopefulness and an anticipation of a bright future. So what are some examples of nutritious thoughts that a financial advisor can have? What kind of self-talk that promotes success, empowerment, and resilience? Example, I always focus on my client's needs. I know that I don't need to be perfect to be extremely successful. That's important because many type A people feel if they're not perfect, they're a failure. They don't see anything in between. You have to recognize that there's no such thing as perfection. It will never work. And you don't need to be perfect to be extremely successful. Another example would be once I develop a smart game plan and stick to it, great things will happen. These are just some of the many conversations. And my book has many more. And the course has many more of the kinds of conversations that people need to have with themselves in order to develop a champion mindset and block out negative, self-defeating, toxic thoughts. Any questions or comments, Crystal? No, I think that's great information. I'm excited to hear about your stopping method and see how I can uh, add that to my list to help with my negative self-talk. Okay, so now I'm going to give a technique that anyone can learn. It takes less than a minute to do it, and it has proven through research to be unbelievably powerful. First thing, step number one, is a person should always have with them a fat rubber band that fits on their wrist. And that's the kind that comes in the mail. It's actually a number 64 rubber band, but they come in the mail. The post office uses that, and they, they wrap your mail in it. It's a fat rubber band that th that's not tight. Have that on your wrist. As soon, and that's step number one. Just have the rubber band there. The next step is recognize triggering thoughts. That is thoughts that tend to lead to negative emotions like anxiety or depression or anger or frustration. Recognize those thoughts. So for a financial advisor, it could be a thought that starts with what if. What if the market crashes today? I'm going to expect these calls from these clients and they're going to be a pain in the neck, et cetera, et cetera. Once you recognize the triggering thought, if the thought starts happening and you start with the what if, the first thing to do is snap the rubber band, enough to get your attention. You may have to snap it more than once because these thoughts are habits and they, tell to, they tend to be well ingrained. And what we need to do is break these habits. You snap the rubber band as many times as it takes for your brain to say, I don't like this pain and stop the thoughts. That's step number one. Step number two 
is to relax your body now by doing the most relaxing kind of breathing that's known to mankind and certainly all professional athletes, musicians, and singers understand this kind of breathing. And this is breathing that's through your diaphragm. And the way to understand that through your diaphragm is you do this by breathing in through your nose to the count of four. You hold it for four seconds and then a big exhale out your mouth to the count of seven. That forces you to do the kind of breathing where your stomach expands when you breathe in and it contracts when you breathe out. That's breathing through your diaphragm and it's the most relaxing kind of breathing. So that's very important to understand. And so you do that a few times and that's calmed your body down. The final step is to give yourself positive thoughts like, there's no real reason to worry about what I was worried about. I don't have any proof that what I was concerned about is really going to happen. What is the probability that that's going to happen? What is the probability that my life is going to be destroyed because that happens? So let's look at the advisor who starts to worry because he looks at the, at the, uh, at the flow and sees the market is going down dramatically and starts to worrying about getting calls from certain clients who get upset when this happens. He snaps the rubber band, takes a few deep breaths, and then says to himself, what is the probability that I'm going to get 25 phone calls today? Has this ever happened before? No, I've had two or three phone calls, but not 25, so I don't have to worry about that. What is the probability that these people are going to fire me because the market went down? Zero. No one's ever fired me. The market's gone down before. Do they get upset and irritated? Yes. What do I do? I explain our core values of investing and the fact that I've put them into other things that take over when the market goes down. So I will explain it to them again, and tomorrow will be a brighter day. So this is the way you rationalize this to yourself, and you stop all of the negative logic that you sort of gave yourself when you were doing the negative thinking in the first place. It's a very simple technique, and it works like a charm. Yes, it is very simple. I like simple and easy, and I, I'm excited to try it. I might have to get a hair tie or something instead of a rubber band, but same concept. You could tell your athletes, by the way, they're not going to run around with rubber bands while they're playing volleyball, but they can slap their thigh. It's the same thing. Slap your thigh, stop the silly thinking, relax your breathing, and change the thinking to something positive right there. I love it. And I think also um, something I've been planning on doing and haven't is I'm in a new office now, is start putting a couple of positive or motivational keywords in my office. I think that's a new trend now anyways. Like people have their word for the year to help when with that step three, positive thoughts, think about your keyword for the year or something that really, you know, will help reframe your brain and move forward. That's another excellent idea. You have the tons of excellent ideas. You need to go with these ideas because you're very insightful. I don't know why, where it comes from, but either... You've read somewhere and it's and it stuck with you or you've thought about it yourself, but these are great ideas. Motivational keywords, you know, go for it. Trust yourself. Relax. Breathe. Okay. One of the greatest things that I tell athletes that they don't think about is breathe because they hold their breath when they're tense. That causes all kinds of internal disruption. Yes. Yeah. So just tell people to breathe and relax and be calm. So how do we unlock what we call our true performance intelligence? How do we unlock it? And that's how do you perform your best when it counts the most? How do you bring your A game consistently, whether it's athletics or financial advising? 
how do you use your talents, your strengths, your skills, your experiences, and your resources at the right time, in the right place, and with the right form? So this is a sort of a summary. I call it embracing the three R's. The first R is recognize your toxic self-talk habits. Recognize what your internal critic is doing. Recognize that you've been doing this forever and it's time to change it. This is your pivot point of power that you can actually take charge and change it instead of postponing it or procrastinating it. So the first thing is recognize the self-talk habits that are toxic. So does somebody say what if all the time? Does somebody say I should or shouldn't have done this all the time? Does somebody say I don't think I can or I hope? Those are toxic self-talk habits. The second are reframe your self-talk with nutritious habits. Ask yourself questions like do I have any evidence supporting my negative thoughts? What is the probability that what I'm worried about will actually happen? Are there other possibilities to explain this behavior? So going back to the example I gave before, the financial advisor looks at the expression on his or her boss's face and concludes, I must have done something wrong. If they ask themselves, are there any other possibilities to explain this? Yes, I know he has difficulty with a teenage child at home, and perhaps he had a problem this morning before he came to work. This may have nothing to do with me whatsoever. That's a lot better than bracing yourself and acting nervous all day, waiting for the, the person to come in and blast you for something. Yes. And you've ruined the whole day for yourself by doing that. Okay? Yes, definitely. And so you, the first R was recognizing the toxic self-talk. The second R was reframing the self-talk with nutritious habits. The third R is re-energizing yourself with optimistic self-talk, like we talked about in the last episode. Uh, optimistic self-talk. Remind yourself about and embrace all of the strengths you have. What are your strengths? Do we call them signature strengths? Your intelligence, your integrity, your wisdom, your perseverance, your honesty, your kindness, your leadership, your self-control, and your gratitude. Remember, we talked about a gratitude journal to keep mm -hmm. track of positive things that have happened in your life. So optimistic self-talk re means reminding yourself about all of your strengths and that it's your work ethic that makes you successful. Number two, tell yourself that when unfortunate things happen, they're only temporary. Good outcomes are on the way soon. And number three, each night, make sure that you've put an entry into your gratitude journal. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I like how the steps are broken down so easy, like three, the three R's where you recognize, reframe, and re-energize. Right. And if you remember that, see, these are easier ways to remember things then people you know, will always be successful. The most important part of this is recognizing. It's very important to recognize the negative thinking because our habits are so well entrenched that they tend to happen automatically unless we pay attention to them. So when a client contacts me and says, I've been really anxious lately. So for example, I had an advisor once who told me that he gets anxious on Sunday nights. Every Sunday night, he can't sleep because he's going into work Monday morning, mm -hmm. okay? And he's anxious every night during the week until Friday night when he's not going to work the next day. So I said to him, what are your thoughts on Sunday night when you recognize you're anxious? And he said, well, what do you mean, what are my thoughts? I said, well, think about it. Next Sunday night, when you feel anxious, I want you to write down what you're thinking. So he did it as a homework assignment, and here's what he was thinking. 
I have to go in and face another week of this. And I have these two clients that I can't stand. They call up my secretary and demand to speak with me, no matter what I'm doing, as if they're the only client I have. And I don't, I feel helpless. I don't know what to do about it. So now that you understand what your thoughts are that are leading to the anxiety, we can deal with those thoughts. For example, are you really trapped like you think you are, or can you assert yourself to these clients and let them know that you will get back with them at your convenience? And if they don't like that, then maybe they need to find a different advisor. Do you have the power to do that? Yes. Um, so you can reframe all this, all this toxic self-talk in a very positive way that I can look at these people as aberrations. 95% of my clients are wonderful. They're respectful. They treat me with respect. Um, they love what I do for them. I have these two people, these outliers that are, are causing me to be disrupted in, in my sleep and everything else. This is ridiculous. I need to learn how to assert myself with them. And if that's not good enough, I need to learn how to cut them loose from the herd here and let them go to someone else who maybe likes those kinds of clients. And, uh, and I can free myself of this. So this is the thing that change your thinking, understand that the thing that caused the, the uh, emotions in the first place is strictly under your control. And that is the way you think. So questions at this point. Um, I just, it reminds me of a podcast. I think I listened to recently about where financial advisors are virtually entrepreneurs where we're our own boss. We have clients versus when you work for somebody in corporate or whatnot, where you have a boss for that. And what I'm going to is if we lose one client, it's okay because we have others. Whereas if we were still in our corporate environment or an environment where we weren't having our own business or working or whatnot, that we have one client per se. And if that client lets you go, then you're unemployed. Whereas in our world, financial advisory world, or my world being a consultant and having many clients, if we lose one client, you know, if something happens, it's only one part of our income. It's not our whole income. So it might seem scary, but if you reframe it a little bit, it's not as scary as if we were back in to a different kind of corporate world or business world where we weren't our own bosses in a way and had our own clients and our own assets under management. That's exactly right. So that brings me to a thought. So I said the two worst words ever put together in the English language is, are what if. I like people to change it immediately to the two best words, and that is so what. So if, a, if an advisor says, what if this client fires me, I want them to reframe that to so what. What's the worst that can happen? I have 48 clients. This doesn't make a difference, and maybe my life will be better if they do fire me because then I can be relieved from this stress and use that power to get new clients. So try to change what if to so what or something like that uh, to let you know that you're overreacting and that the thing you're worried about is never going to happen. Very good. I like that a lot. That might be another word going up in my office <laughs> or phrase. Right, right. So what? Like what's the worst that can happen here? The worst that can happen is the client will quit you, but the client is not going to go out and tell 15 other clients bad things about you so that they'll fire you. That's an example of catastrophizing. The probability of that happening are slim and none. But yet, if we don't recognize the toxic negative thoughts, we think the probability is 100%. That's mm -hmm. why we get anxious, feel helpless, and hopeless. Well, great. Thank you so much for joining me. I can't believe this 
season is now over. Well, again, I want to remind people where they can learn about my course, uh, which will take this into much more detail. It's a six-module course they can take at their leisure, and they will be able to um, get the voucher for 12 continuing education credits that are approved for for, uh, financial professionals. And um, just for your listeners, I will give them a $200 discount, but they have to let me know that they're your listeners. So the way to do that is to either email me at drjack at advisingtheadvisors.com and tell me that they're planning on signing up for the course and I'll give them the code for getting the discount. Or um, they, can phone, the, the, they can phone me at 949-481-5660. And if they want to learn about the course in general, they just need to go to www.developthemindsetofachampion.com. The other thing that I would just tell your uh, advisors is that we talked in the past uh, podcast about doing client events. And I do a client event that packs the house with not only your clients, but their guests. So you have many new possibilities of gaining new clients. How do I pack the house? I have a program called How to Live Much Longer Than Your Kids Hoped You Would. That's a tongue-in-cheek title for a very serious subject, which is the psychology of life extension. So you don't think that'll pack the house? Everyone wants to come. And the typical uh, guest that comes of of one of your clients will say to him or herself, you mean your advisor has this nationally renowned psychologist come across country and teach you how to live longer and better? My advisor just has people talk about the economy or some new stock Uh, He doesn't do anything like that for me. Maybe I need to rethink where I put my assets. So it's a win-win situation. And again, they can call me if they want to know more about this client event. Great. And all of that information, of course, and all the show notes are going to be at um, the podcast website at insightsforfinancialadvisors.com. So feel free, if you didn't catch all of that, you can always hit rewind on the podcast or you can check out the show notes on the website, insightsforfinancialadvisors.com. Thanks so much, Jack, for joining me this season. I really, really appreciate it. It was great getting to know you better and I wish you the best. Thanks to you, Crystal. You've been a fabulous interviewer. You're very insightful. So it's a lot of fun working with you. And maybe we'll do another season sometime. I think that's definitely in the realm of opportunity. I'm excited to see what else we can chat about and learn more. You have a great day and a great year. You too. Thanks for listening to the Insights for Financial Advisors podcast. If you liked this episode, please rate the podcast on your favorite podcast app. For more insights, tips, and resources, visit insightsforfinancialadvisors.com today.